going on? Benjamin. To note that Benet, we got Nate Freeman live from Gay Paris. I'm How's it going over there? Yeah, you are still in Paris. <laughs> I mean, I guess I only got to Paris uh, Monday, but I'm still in Europe, which coupled with the fact that I was here in Europe just a few weeks ago for uh, uh, for Basel, a lot of your time in the past month. I'm ready for the good old US of A. How's your French but, coming along, know, mate? You know, my French is just, just really abysmal. I mean, back in the day, I would have said, like, oh, my French is fine, or like, I'm working on it. But I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm in peace with the fact that I just can't speak this language. Let's get to some of the important stuff. My Instagram is back. I feel like much yeah. more of a full human being again. Shout out to a real close now, really patron saint of the pod at this point who I think helped me mm-hmm. handle that. Evidently, I was impersonating myself, which raises all sorts of ontological questions that I'm having. Uh, and, you know, I have a little bit of the imposter syndrome anyway. And even mm-hmm. more important, and it's it, that's just not helping, even more importantly than that, friend of the pod, past two-time guest, the most listened-to guest in our history of the podcast, Alyssa Bennett's regret counter, yep. back online. It's back. The world is healing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that was the yeah. talk of the fair of Fiat yesterday. <laughs> I'm sure it was, you know, that was what was on everybody's <laughs> lips. Um, hard well, to get away from. People notice, for sure. Um, what people is, definitely notice. Uh, how is Paris? Wait, have you hit your favorite font? You know, I never loved Paris, really. I mean, I loved it. I've been there with my partner before, but you really took me the last time I was there to a couple spots I had never been to. And uh, so I actually have a little bit of FOMO, mostly because of the love that you instilled in me for the, the city of lights, as they call it. Have you Have you hit your favorite watering holes? You know, I, I, I haven't really just because I've been so locked at the computer or the art fair, uh, but I'm planning on trying to file a story and then maybe go to one of those watering holes. That's the plan, at least I'm here until uh, Saturday afternoon. So I think I'll hopefully get some playtime in if just a few hours. The but, Newhouse yeah, family really, really cracking the like, whip you know, on you, man. I mean, like I can't slack over here. You know, I'm, you know, this is a work trip. So you haven't, but, you, haven't, um, you, haven't, no, you course, haven't been to American Bar or any of that? No, I, I mean... I, I, I have plans to go to, to um, Hemingway Bar tonight. I just don't know if I'll make it. Hemingway Bar, that's um, what I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it, there's been a lot going on, man. It's like, you know, um, you know, I got on Monday and there was like you know, a ton of openings. And then Tuesday, there was probably and all and then also a ton of openings. Well, hold um, on. Let's, let's slow down. What, and, what, what openings did you yeah. hit on Monday evening when you were? Did you take the train, the Eurorail or whatever they call it, the channel I, I, train? I, 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 I did. I mean, it was uh, the most, you know, art world, uh, like, like, you know, figure studded place I've ever been because everyone was in London. Everyone was taking the same noon Eurostar to Paris. It was, it was quite the scene. Uh, a little bit of stop and chatting going on where people, I, I like to keep to myself when I travel, even when I see people I know relatively well, I feel like travel is a sacred and special place, especially, you know, I guess noon's a, a reasonable hour, but especially for the early flights, uh, I don't like to, uh, I don't like to stop and chat. Did, did you see anyone that you, you felt like you had to reach out to while you were on the train? I mean, you know, it, it was fun to run into like Simon Lee, friend of the pod who was just going to Paris. He seemed psyched. He was exhausted from London as all of us were. Friend of the pod, Dan Oglander. Also on the train, um, who else did I run into at uh, the, the, the little uh, holding area that they have you in? Now, it takes a lot longer to go through that security, by the way. Thanks, Brexit. Anyway, so you, you get you get in on Monday. You're, it looks like you're staying in a, mm-hmm. a fairly charming hotel. Uh, what, what, opened, yeah. what opened on Monday night? Well, uh, the big opening on, on Monday, along with there was uh, Alex Israel at 
um, the new Amin Rush space on the uh, Rue Matignon, which is kind of like the um, new uh, power center um, in Paris, because uh, you also had Paris Scarstadt's new gallery that opened there on, on Monday. Show Eric Fischel. That was pretty baller. The space is great. Um, Emmanuel Perrotin has two spaces there. Gogosian has a space there. That's a great little um, neighborhood white, over there. Yeah. Uh, um, you got a white cube space now. They had some pretty heavy duty shit in there. It's kind of like nestled into some townhouse, but Jay really brought some thunder. What did they have up in uh, in White Cube that was so power heavy? Oh, it was just kind of like um, a lot of Boslets, a lot of Hammonds, um, you know, because there's a Hammonds at uh, French Pino's space. Uh, incredible Hammond show. Truly the highlight of, of the trip, really. And then the Boslet show at the Pompidou, which I, I actually haven't seen yet. Um, so they were kind of catering to what was in the institutions. With a cool group show, which we uh, we often see in galleries and even at art fairs in mm-hmm. cities, uh, where there's a big institutional show by someone, they try and draft yeah. draft off that uh, a little bit. Um, what kind of dinner did you hit? What kind of openings did you hit up on Monday? I should say. Well, I mean, all those, those, all those, and all was, was was there a big um, dinner that someone was throwing? What was the what was the social? There was there was agenda? there was a, a great show of uh, new works by the great Harold Encart uh, at David Swerner's gallery here in Paris. That was, uh, you know, fabulous scene there at the opening, and then um, a big party uh, at this restaurant Lulu, um, right on the Champs Elysees, uh, and it really brought out everyone. You know, just like a ton of artists, even non-Zwerner artists, um, like a lot of people who truly wanted to celebrate Harold in Paris. Talked to Harold's mom for a long time; she fucking ruled. Oh, um, that's cool. I yeah. bet. I bet. You know, it's it's yeah. it seems like a lot of people did what you're doing. Um, and they went for freeze because freeze moved back a week this year. Uh, went for freeze and it was a real easy decision to stay through the weekend and then pop over to Paris. Um, pretty awesome yeah. itinerary. So it seems like both fairs uh, were served well by this because people didn't have to choose between the two or fly back and forth if they have real world obligations, right? Um, yeah, I mean that's easy, but at the same time, like I was texting a bunch of people today, just like you know, some were asking what I was doing, and I'm like, I'm at home writing, like. I like, can't really handle this anymore. There's like real fair fatigue right now. After after a year and a half of not going to anything, you had three fairs in a month. And, you know, I mean, people were psyched about the peanut space or psyched about some gallery shows, but like, I don't know, man. People weren't too excited to be in this, uh, you know, makeshift exhibition hall where Fiat is. Yeah, we'll get to that. I mean, I'm feeling, you know, I, I, I have obviously major FOMO, but I'm feeling so bright eyed and bushy tailed. Like I'm kind of glad I'm not jet lagged and hung over in Europe today. I got to be honest. Right. Um, although I could use a heavy French meal to just, you know, really, really just fill out my, my tuxedo coming up this weekend. Um, so the next day <laughs> on Tuesday was the opening of Paris international, which I think is a great little fair. I mean, in the model of nada and, and other kind of, um, you know, just one step below feeder fairs with, you know, slightly younger or more scrappy galleries. Is this, was it still in the same space that the international had been in the past couple of years they switched it to a different building that was almost identical which is a little jarring which is kind of um, like an old like kind of a apartment building that had been converted i think mm-hmm. yeah exactly um and so yeah worked really great it had like this wonderful charm with these old french stairwells that you had to sort of like clump your way up to get to these like massive hallways that had like two or three galleries per and um you know what was great was like you know i looked at the exhibitor list and it was mostly galleries i never heard of only two galleries from the United States of America, which is pretty awesome. You know, it's just like, it, it, it's not something you can experience anywhere else in Paris. And, you know, uh, there were some really great offerings from guys like Crepe Corps, 
uh, and um, Sultana, which are two like awesome spaces here in Paris. Plus, like, yeah, there's American galleries, good weather, which is based out of Chicago and uh, North Little Rock. Always good to see those guys. They're uh, really holding down the Midwest. And then Todd Von Ammon, a uh, longtime friend of the pod, formerly of Team Gallery, now of Von Ammon Co. in D.C., really ripped it up. Yeah, his really preview did. looks great. I think he's doing great stuff. Yeah. And I know you're a big DC uh, guy. Yeah. We, we kind of were planning, I think uh-huh. last spring, maybe a trip down there that never came uh-huh. together. I think that's something I we know. should we should do a DC overnight, uh, take the Acela down, go say what's up to our friend I mean, uh, 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 Anyone Joe. who's listening to this, yeah. Okay, yeah, of course. I mean, there's tons uh, to do in DC, of course. You know, you can see Mitch's space. You can, you know, go to Hirshhorn. But like you gotta gotta go see Todd's space because it's like really special. He hasn't put out a dud of a show yet in three years. Like everything is awesome. Yeah, I feel like this this is one of those gallery programs you're gonna look back at the murderous row of show he's done in like fifteen years. Exactly. And be like, oh shit. Wow. He was he was yeah. on top of it. Um anyways, he had exactly. the international and were, were there more openings Tuesday night, I believe, if my uh, if my calendar of RSVPs I flaked on tells me correctly. There, there were. I mean, uh, there was the Gagosian opening of the new space, which is right near uh, the Plaza Dome, where they have installed this absolutely amazing Alexander Calder that takes up the entirety of the space. The Plaza Dome is where the Ritz I, is. I, I saw it once um, or twice on Instagram from people that are staying at the Ritz. Yeah, yeah I'm <laughs> just, sure. Just once or twice. The gallery itself is, is, is small. It's just a storefront, but it's got a cool provenance. Leo Castelli had a gallery there before the war, which is really interesting. Uh, he had to flee when... That know, would be the Second uh, World War, yes. Yes, when when uh, the French were not in charge of Paris, we'll put it that way. Uh, and um, uh, but it's a small space, but it had a really cool small Calder show. And then I went to Kaido Art, which is the amazing left bank um, uh, art space that is a spinoff of the magazine Kaido Art. Um, and there was um, a really wonderful uh, show by Arthur Jaffa that was helped put together by a friend of the pod Anya Bondel, which is awesome. Uh, so good, really fantastic show. And then uh, the opening that night was Joe Milady across the street, another kind of art space. That was wonderful. Very cool, very cool. And usually, and people try and keep it keep it relatively mellow the night before a, a major fair opens, such as Fiac is. No, uh, no, no. What, what, not what, not what really. Was, what was the scene like? I mean, Larry took over the entire hotel coasts and like hired Josephine de la Bomb to give this crazy performance, and it was like a really raucous party. Like, uh, like you know. Larry, Larry did not think that it was important was to La- go was, to sleep early. Was Larry in attendance? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, you know, I mean, he he didn't make it to Basel, so I didn't know, you know, he loves Paris. He, man loves a Paris moment, and who doesn't? Guy really? loves Paris. Yeah. Yeah, um, loves Paris. Did he have a date there with him? Uh, I, I'm not sure how to answer that. Okay. <laughs> oh, all right, well, well, we'll move on just to keep, you know, I don't want to get assassinated. Oh, did you make it to the Anne Immendorf uh, performance that was taking place at Palais de Tokyo? On an Imhoff. Okay, York I was York. close. I was close. I was close. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm supposed to go now. But Daniel, I'm, I'm, I'm still on that wait list. Don't knock me off because of my mispronunciation, please. <laughs> um, you know what? I had tickets to go to gay. I gave them away because I'm here writing at the uh, at the HQ. But um, I'm sure that I'll see it all over Instagram in like 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, welcome to adulthood, man. Working for a living sucks. Tell me. I can tell you that. I know. I know. Um, I, I mean, I saw it on the Instagram. I feel like I saw it. It's fine. It, you know, it's fine. You'll be okay. Um, and then the next it's also day, very long. It's also supposed to be like two hours long. Oh come on! Who has the time? Who has the time? Um, I I want to get into the food, but but I mean, obviously, the reason for the season, uh, the Fiac Fair f- taking place for the first time, not in the Grand Palais. Where was it exactly? 
Uh, it was in something called the Grand Palais Ephemeral, which is this structure that was built this year to just house exhibitions while the Grand Palais is being restored in uh, time for the 2024 Olympics being held in Paris. So it's basically like a tent? Um, yeah, it's like kind of a nice tent, but it's just like it's a fair tent. You get a cool view of the Eiffel Tower if you make it to the you know Young Gallery sector. Um, but like it's, uh, you know... The whole appeal of Fiac is this incredible, like, like structure that you get to just like have enormous booths in, and like it doesn't really feel like an art fair because you're just like sort of going up and down these red levels, and the light is fantastic, and so this kind of felt just like your, your normal art fair. Um, oh, that's but- too bad. I mean, listen, I have a love hate with with Fiac, much the way I do with Paris in general, in that I think it's a beautiful fair and people bring gorgeous, esoteric, very French things, even if they're not French galleries. You know, things that take a little bit of time. Uh-huh. Um, but it's for me never been a great site for like pulling the trigger commercially and doing a lot of big business. And there's usually not a lot of bangers um, uh, it, there. Did it seem like people were transacting? Like what was that? What were the hot booths? I can I have a guess about a couple, but um, I mean, I think that there were some pretty decent sales. I, I it was it would be hard for me to say exactly what the very hot booths were. I mean, like you know. Um, for every like sort of you know Perotan it brought like it's like sort of like most French most like you know like 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 in the best example of its gallery program then you had something like you know like Hauser which brought just like a sort of new work by all of its artists didn't really seem like they were really like 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 going for sort of a Paris thing. And they did have a very excellent Louis Bourgeois sculpture. Yeah, the Bourgeois sold. sculpture felt very uh, Parisian to me. I didn't ask yeah. a price on that, I don't think. It's an incredible sculpture of, yeah. her, of her hands. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. it's super- honestly, honestly, like, um, the the booths in the, uh, the sort of young sector, the young gallery sector, where, you know, that was actually the part of the fair that got the most light and it felt the most lively. Um, there was some really cool stuff in there, and some of those booths felt like like they had like immense amounts of energy. The High Arc booth was awesome. Um, Sweetwater in Berlin had a Kaida Ojo booth that was awesome. Um, you know, those are, those are my buzz, but, but like it really it really ruled. Yeah, those um, of of all the previews I saw, it was actually the Young Galleries that I was I was most disappointed to miss out. There were some great there were some yeah. great gems and really cool stuff. Uh, both those things you mentioned. I think High Art had an opening last night or tonight. A friend of the pod, yeah. Max, Max Hooper Schneider, who's an artist. I Max really, Hooper really Schneider, like. yeah. It was that last night, or is that yeah. is that tonight? Was, did, did you swing by? How tonight. was it? It's tonight. Okay. It, it's tonight, so I'm going to hope to get by, but I'm not sure if I can. Uh, hopefully, I'll see it tomorrow, if, if anything. Are you there? Um, you're, yeah, there love, you're there a whole other day. I mean, I got to finish this the story tomorrow, man. Like, you know, the six hour time difference means I'm fact checking until late in the night. Tomorrow. Oh man, I'm actually feeling bad for you because I my new thing is I think the day after a fair opens, like I'm on the I'm on the morning flight. I mean, no you know, more the work's not no done until the story's published. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Listen, I'm I'm not I'm not salting it. So I don't know. Usually you're a little bit more enthused about Paris. Any great meals, at least? Seems like they were all gallery dinners. Have you, have you been able to stop at any of your favorite cafes, have a little coffee and a croissant? Uh, I mean, not exactly. I mean, I, I have had some great meals um, just at yeah at these gallery dinners that, that, that I've gone to. Um, no one was slacking, of course. Like, you know, David Zwerner brought out the Amoni Berico and like the really like truffly risotto and, you know, all the all the hits. I think that you know, unfortunately, it's going to be just like, oh, you know, one, two day quick spin through my favorite restaurants once all the stuff is done. 
But right now, I'm just like I sort mean, of in the throes of, of, of Iberico, I I couldn't help but 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 see an image of you acting as the slicer of a, of a hawk of ham. Uh, give me a little oh, bit well, of backstory on that. Were you hosting some people, or what was going on? No, no, no. no. Uh, the, the, the slicers at this Warner dinner stepped out temporarily, and they needed someone to step in. Thankfully, I've I love that for experience. you, Nate. I love that for you, bud. I know. I have extensive experience slicing ammo Barico very thinly, so I actually did an excellent job, and I was just like, you know, handing it out. I just, you know, I just want to lend a hand. I, just I think to, you know, at, the, at the Note Bene holiday party, there won't be any other food except for Hamaberico, and Nate Nate that's posted it. up behind there, do, showing off uh-huh. his slicing skills. I think that's uh, that's the only that's something there. we have to do for sure, for sure. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Well, real quickly before we wrap it up here. Um, uh, I gotta say, coming up, I just uh, just got my hair cut. About to go get a manicure. Heading off Let's to go. Dallas for the first time in like two years, basically. Yeah. Uh, the two by two auction for AIDS and art coming up. You're not going to be there, which is a bummer. But a lot of good people mm-hmm. are going, and uh, I'm Everyone's excited. Going. I get the I, I I tried on the tux last night. It still fits. I could find all the studs <laughs> and whatnot. Um, hopefully I can find someone to help me tie my tie on Saturday evening or Saturday afternoon. I do always have a little bit of trouble with that bow tie action, no matter how many YouTube videos I watch. Um, but there's some great, there's some great things coming up in the auction. Um, obviously friend of the pod, uh, Joel Messler gave an incredible painting that's going to be it looks highlighted. Awesome, it looks um, so good. Uh, and the great Hauser and Worth painter, uh, who I think her show is still up there. Um, uh, has every, a great, singer. every singer has an incredible work on paper that'll be in the live auction. And of course, uh, Nara has like this incredible painting on cardboard mountain yeah. on board. I mean, it's an incredible thing. I think it's going to make like millions and millions of dollars. But if you've been looking for a haunt, uh, if you've been looking for Nara, and trust me, for my text messages, everyone is. Uh, this might be the only chance everyone. to get one for a while. Um, but we will we'll miss you in Dallas, my dude. But I think you need a little, I know. Well, you need a little time in, in the East Village. I mean, butter must be fucking flipping out. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Uh, I, I miss I miss the dog so much. Also, yeah, I, I have to be in, in New York that night for a dinner, kind of non non negotiable one. Um, I mean, but always it's been tough to get from Fioc to Dallas. I mean, like I don't really know anyone who's going straight from Paris to there that I can think of. I think you know some people who were in London last week for sure. Oh, um, that, that's I, like I, I've done it. Uh, yeah, it, it's a tough mm-hmm. flight, man. It's a t- it's yeah. tough. It's tough with the time change, but it can be done. In a non yeah, in a non COVID time, I certainly will do it again. There's a really nice Air France flight that goes direct. Uh, I believe very comfortable oh, front. Um, you know, not going to knock it. It's enough time to really decompress and catch up on your sleep before you land and, and get into the festivities. Yeah. Um, but there are like also a, I'll be I'll be in Dallas two weeks afterward for the the fair. Yeah, I think you, you will be too. Yeah, we're, you're going to give a little talk as I recall. Um, and I'm some, talk, but there are some good, there are some good shows that I think will still be up when you're there. There's a Carol Beauvais, uh a show of early sculpture at the Nasher that I'm pretty keen to wow. check out. And uh, Sadie Cole's curator show with Pauline Carpitas at the Carpitas Collection that I'm I'm stoked to, oh, that's to take a awesome. peek at. So that will be that will be cool in addition to the I'm usual, sure those will usual be stuff over there. Um, so mm-hmm. coming up, you couldn't make it yesterday, so you know, and you were missed. I but I, I have a great interview coming up with uh, Diala. Uh, Nisebe, who is the director of Abu Dhabi Art Fair, um, and mm. she's amazing. And you know, they invited us to come and do some podcasting on location. We couldn't make it work this year. Yeah, she was telling me about some of the food and some of the historical sites there. We have <laughs> like the like the pre FOMO was strong. We've got to get it together for next.
next time. Um, but she has a lot. Next of year we can do it. Yeah, but she has a lot of interesting stuff to say, not just about the local and regional art scene there in Abu Dhabi, but also just about the role of regional and mid-sized fairs, kind of more broadly, and how they act as platforms. So I think it's a really interesting conversation. I hope you Nate have a chance to check it out, and everyone else should stay tuned for that. Um, and uh, we'll catch you back in the U.S. Yeah, Nate? That's it for now. Stay tuned. Coming up right after this, uh, Diala Nusebe and me chatting about art fairs. Stay tuned. Hello. Welcome back to Nota Bene. And we're so excited to have the director of Abu Dhabi Art with us, Diala Nusebe. And uh, we're so thrilled to, uh, to be able to welcome you to the podcast. How are you doing today? Or this evening, I should say. Well, thank you for having me join you. I'm really excited to be here with you. I'm really crushed. You know, we had, we had been talking about maybe um, Nate and I being able to come over for the fair. I've never been uh, for the fair and maybe doing some live podcasts because you have such a great platform over there. It's not going to work out this year, but I'm, I have my fingers crossed that in the future it will. Um, but the fair, for those, for those who don't know, is taking place in just under a month. It'll open on the 17th of November this year. Um, and it's the first in-person fair, obviously, in a couple of years. You guys went uh, digital last year, right? That is right. Last year we were digital um, and we had to adapt quite rapidly. And I think it was actually a great learning curve for us. We did, we're did. we doing a lot better online now than we ever have before. And we'll carry on with that. We'll still have virtual booths. So I hope to steal you for a virtual tour uh, just before or after the fair. Um, but we are also back in real life and we can't wait for that. And we can't wait for you to come the next year and explore uh, in person too. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems so exciting. I mean, um, you guys, uh, at least in the past, have had a really incredible variety of galleries. A lot of galleries I know um, from other fairs and, and from around the world, and a lot of galleries that would be new to me and programs that would be new, and that's always what I'm looking for uh, art-wise, or probably life-wise, really, are new experiences. Um, you've been with the fair since about 2017, is that right? Yes, I joined at the tail end of 2016. Um you know, just to sort of see what was happening, what kind of identity it had um, and sort of shadow the team and, and, and sort of get a sense of it. And then started inputting myself um, sort of more direction for it um, in 2017. But it wasn't the, I mean, just before we get into too much more about the fair, it wasn't the first fair you'd worked on. You worked uh, in Istanbul immediately uh, preceding this position. Uh, that was one of the best experiences um, of my life. Istanbul is this incredibly um, culturally vibrant, dynamic place. Um, you know, obviously it's it's struggling with a lot of um, external elements now, but the cultural scene is really strong. And, um, you know, the Biennale is, of course, phenomenal. Um, the galleries that were there, the artists. I think it was really having a moment when I was doing that fair as well. Um, where it was getting all the international visitors it would have wanted. Um, and it was this kind of center for exchange and, and creativity. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of art fairs in general. I mean, they, they have their negative elements and, and we, you know, one could go into that, but it, it's, a, it's been an important part. I think my trajectory in the art world matched up with the rise of, of the global art fairs. Um, but, and I've always thought people that run fairs are so interesting because the constituencies uh, that you're kind of bringing together and responsible to are so varied because obviously you have a, a local and international collector base, the galleries themselves that are really in some ways your most direct um, uh, direct people that you're responsible to, um, the artists that are included, uh, curators that are involved, uh, and then the wider local ecosystem uh, in regards to tourism. So, um, and so, and fair directors, I think, are, are always the most 
important people to talk with because they, they their spider sense and they're so close to the ground in these different elements. Uh, they really understand, you know, sea changes that are happening before just about anyone in our ecosystem. So I'm wondering, you know, how did you get involved in art fairs? As I recall, you're trained as an anthropologist and that makes total sense to me because it's such an anthropological kind of thing, this kind of vibing out and, and organizing all these disparate things. But if you could tell us a little bit about your personal journey to this point, kind of, kind of before Istanbul, uh, how'd, you, how'd you get here? Uh, I'd say probably there's two things. One is probably one of my earliest jobs, if you will, um, was working for uh, Charles Saatchi. This was pre-moving into the uh, Saatchi Gallery in Duke of York Square. We were working out of a basement in his house in Chelsea. And this was just about the time that people were, were sort of starting to do things online. So you're talking sort of 2005. Um, so I just remember one of my, you know, and this is really um, probably more my generation. We're much more willing. We were much more willing to do this. Um, is to sort of jump in and do the really nitty gritty, boring stuff um, in order to learn. I think, I think, you know, uh, it was so good for me. I just waded through boxes of transparencies and had to guess because that's how you, that's how you knew what the works were in those days. You had, you know, transparencies of all the works rather than, you know, perfect digital images. And I had to guess which work was which. Um, look at the transparencies. I think it's that artist. Look up the archive, see what sales had been done, and then try and connect the two, and, and then you, and then scan that and put that up on a database. So it was literally this kind of deep dive into um, you know a lot of artists that were young that he, you know obviously he he discovered artists at a, a sort of young point in their career um, who then went on to become quite big names afterwards, um, and that was an amazing kind of deep dive into the sort of art market, if you will. Um, and after that, uh, you know, I think Sandy Angus, who runs um, Montgomery, and, and they do a number of fairs, including uh, launching, you know, Art Hong Kong, which Basil went on to buy, and uh, the Delhi Art Fair, and they have a number of other really successful fairs, um, you know, offered me the opportunity to do the Istanbul Art Fair, and, and I sort of jumped at that. And again, that was sort of trial by fire, the whole kind of, you know, learning about the art markets through the fair, the prism of the fair. Um, and sort of on from there, really. Yeah, I mean, I think the best way to learn things in life is often to just jump in and, and figure it out as you're in the swimming pool of life. Um, and what about what about growing up? Were you exposed to much art, um, either traditional or contemporary growing up? Were, you, were your parents collectors, or, or is it something that, that came to you later in your adult life? I have to say it's always been part of my life. My parents are collectors. They have a collection of uh, contemporary Middle Eastern art predominantly, but also the wider region, South Asia. And you know, we were very lucky as, as children. We'd do these amazing summer holidays where we'd just get in a car, drive across Italy, go into all the amazing museums. I mean, the Uffizi was probably, for me, a moment of wonder, you know, at, at, the, at, a, at a really young age um, and just walking around the whole of Florence. And, um, and then, of course, to all the lovely churches, which have amazing paintings. I think that was probably, you know, one of my earliest recollections of seeing art. And, you know, that's why I'm so excited that the Louvre Abu Dhabi has opened and it's now very possible for people living in Abu Dhabi just to you know hop on a bus or jump in a car with a family and go and see art firsthand on their doorstep I mean it's a huge change um, and it's significant for, for the UAE. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like there's so much excitement in the city from everything I've read over the past few years uh, about that and, and other cultural institutions. And the fair is really part of that. And I, it was interesting to learn, as, as opposed to a strictly commercial entity, your fair is actually kind of administered by the Department of Culture and Tourism, I believe. I'm not sure if that's the, the exactly the right name. And it's really part of kind of creating this ecosystem um, um, in that space um, for obviously this discrete bit of time that the fair runs, but it really extends beyond that. Um, can you talk a little bit about kind of how that feels different as opposed to it being just strictly a, um, a for-profit enterprise? You're absolutely right. It's the Department of Culture and Tourism Abu Dhabi that yes. runs the fair <laughs> and um, that also is behind some of the amazing museum projects that are happening, um, which, in, you know, which include the Louvre, but also the upcoming Guggenheim Abu Dhabi, which recently announced that it will be opening soon and the Zayed National Museum. Um, and what that means for the art fair is it has a much wider mandate. It's not really about, um, you know, which often when a company runs a fair, it, it is more so the bottom line in terms of generating a revenue. Um, you know, of course we want to wash our face and sort of raise enough revenue to make sense um, of the fact that we're taking place. But it's about being a platform also for the local art ecosystem, um, about being a place where galleries can discover artists from the region and from the UAE, um, it's a place where you know, people can learn about what's happening elsewhere in the world. You know, it's really bringing, you know, the Department of Culture and Tourism is about also cultural tourism, bringing people to the UAE um, as cultural tourists as much as anything else. Um, that's an important drive. And then, of course, you know, the government's put culture at the heart of it. It's very forward thinking um, in terms of how it wants the country to develop and grow. And it's put culture at the heart of its vision for how it sees the UAE developing in terms of creativity, innovation across everything, you know, sort of the materiality of art, but also kind of digital and, and technology. So in that sense, um, you know, we've been given completely free reign to build up our community and, and to develop roots in the community uh, year round. And so we do a number of things like artist residencies at technology universities, um, or we, you know, we work with curators on supporting emerging artists year round on bigger, you know, commissions that are realized for the fair. Um, or we support a pavilion prize with architecture students where we kind of encourage them to submit proposals, you know, based on certain criteria and we, and the winning proposal is realized at the fair, uh, and a number of other things that happen sort of year round. We've done gallery pop-ups both in Abu Dhabi, but also actually internationally taking some of the UAE artists, uh, internationally to show their works abroad. Um, and it, it's it's a much wider um, arena for kind of innovation, if you like, than a, than a typical fair might have. Yeah, I mean, uh, all art fair directors or art fairs tend to call themselves platforms, and I think it's a bit of a platitude um, and sometimes annoying. But the more I read about your fair, it really feels like it is a platform, both for the city and for the kind of uh, the wider region there. Uh, uh, as you said, all these different programs. And there's a really strong curatorial element to the fair itself. You have outside curators coming in. And there's some exciting stuff coming up next month for this edition of the fair. I'm not sure if you wanted to speak uh, speak to any of, any of what's going on in that regard. Uh, yes, I would love to. And I think to answer your question, yes, there's a certain um, easy to grab lingo around art fairs. Uh, and I'm as guilty as the next person in using it. Platform's definitely one of those words. Um, but I think I think you uh, you know as you kindly pointed out it does actually make sense for Abu Dhabi. Um, next month we have the amazing Simon Najami uh, curating a special focus sector at the fair, and you know he's really a sort of poetic philosopher um, that kind of has been working in the field of contemporary art from the African continent for the last few decades. He's done some major shows like Remix at the Hayward and a number of others. 
Um, and of course, we're at a point where it's, you know, we're really thinking about what does it actually mean to talk about contemporary African art? Is it, it's so generic an umbrella term. Um, and he's definitely pushing that and challenging that idea. Um, but also thinking about how to focus on, um, you know, phenomenal artists from the African continent, which include uh, Richard Atugonza, who we've also commissioned um, as part of our Beyond Artist Commissions to create a new work for the fair, and a number of other, you know, phenomenal artists. Um, so Simon's coming out and he's worked very hard on, on uh, an exhibition that's loosely themed around the idea of um, jazz and, and Miles Davis. So it's sort of looking at this idea of improvisation, of bringing certain works or artists or galleries together and, and seeing what sort of dialogue comes out of that. Um, we also have Rose Lejeune, who is incredible. She's a performance curator. She's uh, you know, been sort of really based in the UK, um, sort of, you know, looking at, I think she's pretty unique in her field, looking at, you know, what's left after a performance, what remnants are there, and also really creating, I'm going to use that dreaded word platform, really creating a platform <laughs> for performance artists um, in different contexts, in a fair context, but also in a gallery context and also in public spaces um, and working with them to give them those opportunities um, and also for collectors to collect them. You know, I think she's done a lot of work um, with with helping them get into collections as performance artists. Well, I mean, that's a great segue for the my next kind of series of questions or things I want to learn a little bit more about. So really, this is, you know, this is all about learning for me. So I, I can tell from everything I've read and people I've spoken to but that, that it is a great platform for all these kind of cultural elements and, and really truly a platform um, and, and all the stuff that, that extends beyond the fair itself and all these curated projects. But but down to the commerce part of things, I mean, how, how has it been hard? What, what What's the state of play like right now? And I know there's great institutions that are collecting, uh, both locally in Abu Dhabi, but also in the region. But what about private collections? Um, uh, and how many people are showing up and not just to not just to learn about the art and see it and, and take it as kind of a, a Sunday trip? Uh, to the to the fair, but but how much commerce with local collectors is able to go down? Do you feel like uh, in the past couple of years and looking ahead to the to the upcoming edition? So I think what's been really interesting with the pandemic and the post pandemic is people have been looking at what does it mean to have a local and a regional market? Are fairs going to become more regional? Um, and everyone's really had to rely on their uh, you know sort of local support base um, to make sense of their fairs. Um, and for us, I think, you know, a really interesting thing that came out of the digital fair last year um, was that we had a lot of our local collectors buying from online to support the galleries. So, you know, we, we sort of um, gave the galleries the sort of virtual rooms for free. And we said to the collectors, this has been a tough year for them. Um, you know, please come and see what they're showing and hopefully, you know, discover things you like. And they really made an effort. I mean, some of them, we had our, you know, VIP team going around to people's houses and literally with laptops and saying, oh, well, this is how you would do a sort of VR experience or this is how you do, uh, you know, a virtual tour and giving them that kind of confidence to do it. And of course, you know, some of them are younger and, and more comfortable with, with the whole online and, you know, um, you know, some works are now selling even on Instagram. It's amazing. So, you know, that that's all changed. Um, but we found last year for sure um, and actually, it's always known about Abu Dhabi that there is a very loyal collector base that support the fair, that, you know, are grateful to the galleries that come out and invest in Abu Dhabi and have a presence um, and, and show that by um, supporting them also in difficult times. Um, and I think, you know, this year, you know, certainly from speaking to some of our, um, you know, sort of local galleries, um, they've been saying that they've been doing great sales in Abu Dhabi. Um, so, for example, I saw 
uh, Laurie Shabibi were in um, London last week. They're a Dubai-based gallery that also have a space in Cromwell Place. And, um, you know, Will was saying that this year he's actually been selling um, to his Abu Dhabi collectors, um, you know, throughout the year. And that's been a real, um, you know, sort of source of, of revenue in, in quite a challenging year. Um, so this year we were expecting, you know, our collectors again to, to sort of rally around the fair um, and support the galleries that are coming out. And alongside that, of course, we have the museum acquisitions that, you know, they don't happen at the fair, but a lot of the conversations needed for mm-hmm. those acquisitions kick off at the fair. Um, and then, of course, we have all the kind of real estate projects that come around and then sort of snap things up. There's been some major sales actually even this year um, through that. Um, you know, so one way and another, I mean, we're not a big fair. We're sort of 50 galleries rather than 250. So it's a boutique fair. It sounds refreshing. Um, <laughs> you have time to really look at the works, learn about the artists. And this leisurely stroll and not a marathon, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, and, 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 and I think it's really interesting. I think an important role of fairs, um, you know, is helping to cultivate collectors and, and making it easier to buy, making the, you know, the kind of the barriers to entry, not just, you know, kind of the ideological barriers in terms of like, how do I do this? You know, how do I, how do I, you know, how, how does one, you know, uh, initiate a transaction with a gallery? It can be very intimidating. Uh, and I think the good fairs help cultivate um, a collector base that, that begins to feel comfortable um, engaging in that way. What's the role of, uh, in your region, what's the role of art advisors? Um, are, are, there, are there many there? Do, are, do they act as intermediaries a lot of the time or are people really engaging directly for themselves? It's actually, funnily enough, it's more directly. I mean, we there are some art advisors, um, you know, certainly for some of the major collectors, they they do work with them, but most of them tend to buy based on what they directly respond to. Um, I think there's a little bit less, um, you know, sort of buying with ears or, or sort of buying as an investment and a little bit more, you know, buying because they love it and they want it in their homes. Um, so yes, you know, yes, there are art advisors, definitely. Um, and that's more then they play more of a role in supporting with the gallery transactions because maybe some of the collectors you know are super busy and they don't have the time to to sort of do that um you know but but less a sort of guiding through the sort of market aspect of it i would say so this is a very self-interested uh, uh question as that's my day job um but i do want to return to fairs themselves i do think it's interesting to think about regional fairs i think regional fairs are gonna, personally i think they're gonna become more and more important um, and, and, you know, across the globe, you know, mid, boutique size fairs, uh, uh, up to mid-size fairs, um, because I think we're, we're pretty maxed out on the same mega fairs that have the same 150 galleries and a lot of the, a lot of the mega galleries, we can see a lot of the same program. Um, and I think the, the type of collectors that can travel to those or will have the time to travel of those is for me, at least, especially in a post-pandemic world, hit a saturation point. But I think local fairs that are within an hour, an hour and a half of a, of a level of collector that will spend a few hundred thousand dollars a year um, have a real space to grow. And I, I think, you know, you could, you know, uh, not to put words in your mouth, but I think you could be a, a part of that, uh, a, a part of that growth, but also, you know, fairs everywhere from Mexico to parts of, of Southeast Asia, Asia itself, um, you know, and even even parts of, of North and South America. Um, so how do you feel, how do you see yourself fitting within the larger ecosystem of the mega fairs and the tiny fairs? Kind of what, what, what role do you see yourself filling beyond just the geography, but even just terms of market space? A hundred percent, I agree with you. I think, you know, also galleries that are going to, let's say, Mexico from Paris don't want to see their Paris collectors in Mexico and sell to them there. They'd rather sell to them back in Paris. So it, they're only going to Mexico to meet the people that they might not otherwise meet, you know, back home, as it were. 
Um, and, and I think that's where we do have a really sort of strong chance to, um, to sort of expand and develop what we're doing because our, you know, our market is expanding. I mean, don't forget, you know, this year is the 50 year jubilee, you know, jubilee for Abu Dhabi, uh, for the UAE, um, celebrating 50 years of being, you know, the United Arab Emirates. Um, and so much has happened in, in, in those 50 years, so much transformation, such a rapid pace of transformation. Um, and it was only, you know, 13 years ago that the Abu Dhabi Art Fair launched. Um, you know, it was only a few years ago that the Louvre launched. So you're going to see that art market really growing and expanding because there's people with disposable income. Um, there's people that appreciate um, art that are, that are going to have the chance to go and see it and grow up with a chance to go and see it in museums. Um, so we're talking about, you know, over time, an art market that's only going to grow. Um, so I think that's where we really do have um, a strong positioning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, and just the, the level of... of um you know, physical buildup in the city, uh, from what I know, I mean, there's a lot of wall space. I mean, you mentioned real estate projects and obviously, you know, they're a great place for large scale installations and whatnot. Um, anyway, uh, for this coming edition of the fair outside of the curated projects, do you have any new galleries that are taking part for the first time that you're really excited about or, or galleries that are returning with projects that you just are personally really passionate about? What, what are you looking forward to at the fair, uh, in about a month's time? You know, I'm going to say one last thing to your last point yeah, and then please. I'm going to the galleries I'm so excited to see. Um, you know, I think, you know, you're based in New York and, and most people there are living in sort of smaller spaces, if you like, or less high walls, or, you know, someone once joked, who was it? I think it was Grayson Perry, that, you know, the artworks that sell are the ones you can fit into an elevator. <laughs> doesn't really, um, There are certain constraints around it. You know, in Abu Dhabi, we're really fortunate. Um, you know, a lot of the sort of houses where the collect, you know, where collectors live have quite big wall spaces. So they can go big, they can get the big paintings, they can get the big uh, art installations in their outdoor gardens. Um, and that does actually mean they can be quite sort of, you know, adventurous as well in that sense. Um, which is why, you know, we're really excited to be working with, you know, a number of new galleries um, this year, including Colnagi Gallery based in New York and also London. Um, who are planning to bring an amazingly big, gorgeous Rakib Shaw, which I love. Uh, Rossi and Rossi is a new gallery, um, and they're bringing an amazing Ciara Majani installation. Again, it sort of needs quite a big space to house it. Um, and we've got Perutan Gallery participating for the first time that we're super excited about. Um, and they're bringing a number of different works from Murakami, which kind of appeals to the aesthetic in the UAE, but also, uh, I believe, Daniel Arsham. Barrow Art Gallery is also looking at Arsham as a really interesting artist to be showing uh, in Abu Dhabi. Um, we have La Cometa, uh, which is a new gallery for us. I mean, there's actually, I think it's sort of 14 new galleries that are coming out um, and, and sort of trying out Abu Dhabi this year. And we're really excited um, to be having them all with us. And then, of course, we have some of our returning galleries. I mean, we have, um, you know, Grosvenor Gallery, um, you know, from London, we're working with on a commission with Rashid Arain, who's, of course, quite a legend, um, you know, in our region. I um, mean, he's also living in London. He's, you know, really um, done an interesting things there. Um, you know, we have Continua, um, which is looking at bringing us to Gupta and some other amazing works. But yeah, I mean, I could go on. <laughs> yeah, no, no, <laughs> I, I mean, that, that's why I asked, Bordeaux you know, I, 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 
Alfredo Jar and you know, know, I, 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 I love the passion. You're, you're like I'm getting pre whatever pre FOMO is uh, fear of missing out. I'm like oh, is it too late? <laughs> it sounds great. Um, so if if I were coming or, or for someone who's uh, maybe that works at one of these galleries or even just from the area, uh, uh, you know, from the region who's coming to Abu Dhabi for the first time, outside of all this great new contemporary art and the contemporary buildings and the office towers and you know the the islands. What is like, is there one like historical site or really cool thing that for you speaks to kind of uh, the great kind of, the, you know, kind of, kind of the city that you would be like, you need to walk through this place or go visit this neighborhood? Like what would be a key thing outside of contemporary art and culture that you'd be like, oh, you got to check that out. If you just even if you're just here for three days, I want you to spend 90 percent of your waking time in the in the fair. But here's one other thing you should do. <laughs> well, before you even do that, I'm going to take five more percent to take you to some historical sites okay. that have contemporary art. So even better, we have, UNESCO, <laughs> we have the UNESCO World Heritage Site of the Alain Oasis, which is these beautiful palm trees. I mean, just hundreds and hundreds of palm trees, um, which are run as farms, and they collect the dates and sell them. Um, and they also have these very ancient waterways, which you know, which were how they would have traditionally got water through the farm. Alain is, is part of the wider Abu Dhabi Emirate, but it's cooler in the summer um, and it has these natural oases and that's why um, they use it for date farming. Um, so the Alain Oasis is where we're going to have some contemporary art, Najat Maki installation. Um, and it's also beautiful to see. It's really uplifting. There's also the Jebel Hafid beehive tombs, um, which are 5,000 years old and show kind of early settlements in the area. Um, and I would definitely encourage people to go around those. We're doing some more installations there with our visual artists. They've been invited to create this kind of dreamscape with kind of magical installations everywhere. Um, and we've got two commissioned artists, Hazem Hub, that's going to be showing there, um, and Aya Haider. Oh, actually, Aya Haider's showing in the Jeheli Fort, which is not quite as ancient as that. It's sort of um, a military fort that was set up, uh, I think it was about, what I, mm, I was going to say it's about sort of, a hundred years ago initially. Um, but that then, you know, got used by the military at one point and, and is now, and it was actually um, a sort of residence for the royal family at one point. And now it, it is a kind of, you know, uh, sort of a venue you can go to for photography and to see the traditional house, uh, Kastor and Mawaji, and again, another historical fort where you can see where the royal family lived, uh, you know, sort of back in the day. Um, we have an amazing uh, mosque, the Sheikh Zayed Mosque, which is, uh, I think it's the biggest in the world, I'm going to say. Uh, but it's just got incredible craftsmanship in it in terms of the sort of ornate um, sort of flooring, marble, uh, carpet, which is which took, you know, thousands of hours to make. Um, so that's really, really beautiful. Um, and then, of course, the sea. I mean, the amazing sea. Forget Abu Dhabi is an island and it's just surrounded by open sea everywhere. So. Um, you know, I'd, I'd easily recommend um, that. I mean, that's a, that's a joy in itself. Okay, now now we're really going to FOMO overdrive, but let's just put a little bit of icing on the honey cake. And uh, uh, and you know, I, I'm not sure if you've heard any of the past podcasts, but my co-host Nate and I are pretty into eating uh, uh, during our art travels. And it's one of the great things, you know, uh, for me, one of the great things about the art world is that you get to go to all these great places for work and to see contemporary art and culture. And then there's all these other aesthetic and cultural experiences you're able to engage in without feeling like a pure tourist, which is important to me. And one of those is eating. Where are you going to send me, uh, for a, a couple of, of good meals, either traditional or contemporary while I am in town for the fair? Like where are, like the hubs where people hang out? I mean, honestly, you are sport for choice in Abu Dhabi because you have got, you know, both the Emirati cuisine, 
Um, you know, there's places like Melas, um, which is, you know, sort of on, on a kind of beachfront um, with kind of nostalgic decor from the 1950s. Um, you've got, um, oh, there's an amazing, um, there's Alarish, which is one of the first restaurants to serve kind of Emirati cuisine, which is also delicious. Um, you know, Salama, who's the director of, um, you know, Kasra al Hassan, actually, um, you know, she set up her own kind of Emirati restaurant, which is really Ooh. delicious. She does catering. So there's lots going on on that front. And what, what about, what, what's, like, what's like a, what am I, what's a, what's a, when you say traditional Emirati, what, what kind of food am I thinking of? I, I did a little research, to be honest, uh, uh, but but I'd rather hear in your words, kind of like, what are we, what are we ordering for the table at one of these places? Uh, kind of things with cinnamon, saffron, turmeric, um, you know, sort of nuts, limes. Uh, it's very kind of, you know, um, full of flavor, basically. There's uh you know, meat that's slow cooked in, in sort of in pots. Um, there's kind of like butter, ghee, and um, you can boil meat um, in spiced water, which is really delicious. Um, so that's kind of like the Emirati side. But then equally, you know, you've got the the kind of, um, you know, really interesting sort of international exports. So like Le Petit Maison, um, which is delicious. You've got Marzi, the amazing Greek restaurant. I don't know if you've come across it in Notting Hill, but that's also just opened in Abu Dhabi. Yep. Um, you know, you've got, and, and it's also the setting, you've got a Buddha bar, the settings are incredible because, you know, you can be by the sea or you can be in these really futuristic buildings. Um, you know, there's butcher and still they've done a kind of, um, you know, sort of like 1920s inspired, um, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, chamber that's amazing. You know, there's all this kind of creativity in terms of the kind of venues as well. I mean, you're you're, um, you're killing me over here. I can't believe that I'm not able to make it. Um, it's just, I mean, <laughs> I mean, from from the art and the creative stuff on down. I mean, it just feels like such a dynamic. Well, I'm going to make sure next year there's a food itinerary, an art itinerary, and a, a historical yeah, site itinerary. I'm, I'm not missing it again. The more you know, the the more I researched for this podcast, the more it was the more it was knocking me out that I couldn't see. Because you really do get some some great great artists and projects, and and uh, really beyond you know uh, what I'm used to. Um, and now you get the food and it just looks like su such a beautiful place. And there's so much re a real sense of energy. It feels like the city is really alive and opening itself to culture um, uh, amongst. And we haven't even talked place. about the coffee. The coffee is amazing as well. It's kind of spiced and flavored and just delicious. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Um, I did want to I had a couple more things, but I think that really is a great overview. And anyone who's listening to this and has the opportunity to go and hasn't already booked their flight. You're ridiculous. I mean, get on the plane, go, um, go, go support this amazing venture, um, and get out of your usual, your usual habits. Um, did I miss anything though? Like about the fair, about the city that really, that really needs to be said. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to leave anything out. I want to get people really, really excited. Uh, I would just say, you know, we, I mentioned the Louvre earlier, but, um, I should really just say it's one of the most beautiful museums I've been in. I mean, it's, again, it's surrounded by water, which, which should be kind of technically impossible for a museum, but it works. And it's got an open air atrium where the sunlight filters through, um, which was inspired by the oases I mentioned earlier, and the sun filtering through or dappling through leaves. Um, and that's just beautiful. But again, you'd think really a museum with an open ceiling, but it's sort of, a, it's the atrium. Um, and it's just beautifully done. So I think, you know, if anything, you know, come and see that as well. That's incredible. So come and see the fair, come and see the Louvre, come and discover 5,000 year old archeological sites. 
um, and enjoy the sea after this you know, year of pandemic. Thank you so much. That was a great introduction. I feel like we'll probably have further conversations down the line. I can't wait to meet you in person, uh, wherever, and certainly to see you at the fair next year. So thank you so much. That's all for us. Uh, thanks for Benjamin, thank you for having me. Okay. It's been a pleasure. Nota bene. Uh,